0: All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's talk about crime in mm-hmm. the news once again. How can we not? Yeah, especially the chronic repeat offenders issue, which is getting hotter now oh, for yeah. the provincial government. So you've got the two leading uh, cabinet ministers on, the, on these files, Murray Rankin, the Attorney General, Mike Farnworth, the Solicitor General, mm-hmm. both now saying they're pressing Ottawa for changes when it comes to things like bail reform for letting, letting uh, some of these uh, criminals repeat criminals out. Here's Attorney General Murray Rankin here on how provinces, are a lot of different provinces, are pressing the feds on this. Have a listen.
1: We're going to have a unified front when we go to the federal government and try to get their assistance to address this problem. There were unintended consequences from the criminal justice reform that no one would have predicted.
0: Yes. Talking, I think, there about Bill C 75. Yeah, they're all and, back uh, in. Some of the bail reforms.
2: They're all back in Nova Scotia, a minist- meeting all of all the justice ministers. Uh, and BC's not alone on this. Other provinces are looking for changes as well. Um, we're seeing uh, just this uh, remarkable increase in random street crime. And then coupled with the fact that, as you pointed out, so many offenders go out literally within a couple hours of getting arrested. Right. The bail condition. So the whole bail system is now under scrutiny, pressuring Ottawa uh, to uh, change the system. And now, of course, judges and and Supreme Court rulings also play a role here, which cannot be ignored. But cr- clearly, the issue is uh, top of mind for for people in British Columbia, particularly in Vancouver and Victoria.
0: A lot of focus on uh, federal Bill C seventy five, which was part of the bail reform package that came through, and the principle of restraint as it's described in this bill, which essentially leg- uh, enshrines in law and legislation mm-hmm. that police and courts should ensure release at the earliest opportunity, and that should be favored over detention. That's what they call the principle of restraint in well, this law. This I think law. that's
2: going to have to be revisited. Yeah. Uh, these are obviously unintended consequences. Uh, I don't think... You know, the architects of that policy foresaw what's happening now, yeah. which is many uh, repeat offenders uh, being re- uh, released and then reoffending very quickly. It's been brought up in the B.C. legislature numerous times. The liberals have brought to the public attention f- people with hundreds of interactions with police in terms of incidents and uh, law-breaking uh, literally being released within hours and doing it again.
0: And this is the one that's really in the news this week, 35-year-old Mohammed Majapur. Yeah. This is the guy with more than 30 30- Convictions on his record over the last seven years—thirty, including some violent uh, cases, assault—and the latest charged against him, assault with a weapon, after a 19-year-old woman was hit over the head with a pole on camby Street, and he's released again. He's re- he's released on yeah. unbe- bail. Let's listen to Unexpected. Mike Farnworth. Here's Mike Farnworth. I'll get your thoughts here. This is the Solicitor General commenting on this case. Have a listen.
3: It is completely unacceptable that individuals such as yesterday are, you know, out doing the same crime again.
0: Your
2: thoughts. Well, I, it says you, you can hear the frustration in Farnworth's uh, take there. I mean, the province, uh, in terms of criminal justice system, doesn't have anywhere near the role the federal government does, but it does have provincial Crown Council. So it's going to be interesting in the days ahead. Murray Rankin is the Attorney General, and this has been brought up in the House. Mike DeYoung, the former Attorney General, the Liberal MLA, asked Rankin about this uh, last week, about uh, his power under the Crown Council Act to issue a special directive to Crown Councils when it comes to uh, various issues, including uh, one assumes the bail situation. So this yeah. is going to come up in the House again. The House isn't sitting this week. It resumes sitting on Monday. You can be sure this is going to be the probably the top issue in question period uh, throughout the week where the Liberals will be pressing Murray Rankin to step in and issue directives to Crown Council to change what's going on.
0: Right, and Rankin has said that he's considering that. He's not ruling it out. He's
2: considering that. One of the issues is the Attorney General always is supposed to be a, a bit removed from the criminal justice branch. Yeah. That's supposed to be a quasi-independent branch. They they don't listen to politicians in, in determining their policies or their charges. This may be an exception, though.
0: Right, and but he's also pointed out, like, well, okay, I'm looking at that. I could issue this directive, but there's nothing to stop a judge from making the, a judge's own decision, he can't tell the judges what to do. Can't tell the judges he, he what to do. He can't control. <clears throat> judges are also be a constitutional challenge to it,
2: right? But the judges are also following Supreme Court rulings and this this type of thing, and and public policy. So uh, this is a thing that's evolving. It'll be interesting what comes out of Dartmouth in terms of. Uh, these justice ministers, that they can get Mendocino, the federal minister, to, to move on this. Uh, otherwise, the pressure is going to be mounted on rank and to, to go along.
0: Okay, let's talk about the looming civic election. Voting day is this Saturday. Municipalities across British Columbia. I know you'll be one of the, the lead analysts for Global yes. on Saturday night. Saturday night. Me and okay. Richard
2: Zussman and Sophie Louie and Chris Galus and a cast of thousands of live reports around the the... the uh, Victoria which and races?
0: Apple. Which races you are? I know you're looking at Surrey, right? I'm
2: looking at, in fact, I'm looking at a Vancouver Sun story right now. The Leger poll in, in uh, the Vancouver Sun today uh, has Brenda Locke at 25%.
0: For mayor of Surrey. For mayor of
2: Surrey. And then there's a big drop-off to 11% for Soup Dollywall and Gordie Hogan. Ginny Sims at 8 And McCallum at 7%. Now, this is a poll. We don't know. I'm not sure what the sample size is here, the margin of error. I expect, though, even with a small sample, 25% for Brenda Locke, 7% for Doug McCallum. That's a big gap for him to close. And I think the odds now favor Brenda Locke. As you and I have speculated, winning, um, the mayor of Surrey winning with 25% of the vote.
0: Yeah, and, you know, here's a guy who's got that that mischief charge hanging over his head. His trial is P- not until after mischief. the election. Public mischief. Public mischief. And is the guy has made all these crazy crackpot promises for like 60,000 seats with no parking, build a canal through the middle of Surrey. I mean, you know, some of this stuff (laughs) is just off the rails. He could, but he could possibly win. You like, well, uh, he he, he, he can't win with 7%. He's not going to win with
2: 7%. No. So this poll suggests he's in serious trouble. Again, I haven't seen the methodology, the sample size, that type of thing. But it is interesting, even with a huge margin of error, 25% to 7%. That's almost insurmountable for someone to catch Brenda Locke.
0: Surrey City Councillor Brenda Locke. So you think she's got a lock on the mayor's a lock, office? Locke has a lock, it seems. It, it would appear. What about Vancouver? What are you looking for there?
2: I think the momentum's with Ken Sim and ABC. Um, yeah. Talking to some some observers yesterday who certainly know what's going on in the past, uh, think the momentum has shifted to Ken Sim and, and ABC. ABC has a number of incumbents. Incumbents in municipal elections tend to do very well because of name recognition, low t- voter turnout. So, expect the incumbents to do well, and there's a number of them who have now, um, like Lisa Dominato said, or Kirby Young, have quit the MPA, moved over to ABC. And I think Andy Stewart, you know, the baggage he's compiled over the last few years has uh, not helped him. And even though he's received the endorsements of a number of NDP cabinet ministers, there's no love lost between him and the NDP government. And then Ken Sims playing the crime card right at the right time, you know, when crime is suddenly top of mind for people. He's out there saying, I'm going to hire 100 police officers, making crime his number one issue. Kennedy Stewart, for three years, kept downplaying the crime issue, saying Vancouver is a very safe place. And I think that's catching up to him.
0: Okay. On yesterday's show, we talked about these comments from the new Alberta Premier, Danielle Smith, her first media availability where she talked about unvaccinated people and how she feels they're the victims of the most discriminated, discriminated people, the most discriminated lifetime. group she's ever seen in her and life. Boy,
2: did she get a backlash.
0: She, she really did. And she's kind of walking it, walking it back. So we'll, we'll talk about the updates on it here, but let's go back to her original comments. So here, here is the Alberta premier, Daniel Smith on unvaccinated Canadians. Have a listen. The community that faced the most restrictions on their freedoms in the last year were those who made a choice not to be vaccinated. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. Okay, so she's now issued a statement saying that she doesn't apologize for it. She just says, I want to be clear, I did not intend to trivialize in any way the discrimination faced by minority communities. In Canada and around the world, now this follows the backlash like you like Jewish groups, indigenous, indigenous
2: groups. indigenous, oh, just you name it no she got she just got hammered. Yeah. John Horgan said her comments were laughable, yeah. uh, which is the most charitable uh, response I think uh, more problematic for her i mean this was this is i think damaged her reputation what was is interesting, she also walked back the sovereignty act a bit Ooh. in that she said she would abide by Supreme Court. remember in the campaign, she said she 'd ignore Supreme Court of Canada rulings that Alberta would not be. Uh, bound by them. Now she saying, oh no, no, Supreme Court of Canada rules, we'll, we'll listen to whatever the Supreme Court of Canada says. That's likely to anger some of those, those red meat-eater supporters of hers in the leadership race who wanted Alberta basically to go completely separatist.
0: Off to a rocky start there in Alberta. For the sure. And the interesting thing is like when she talks about unvaccinated people being victims of discrimination, like if you went in front of a human rights tribunal uh, let's say in Alberta, anywhere else, and there have been there have been human rights complaints about the way unvaccinated people have been, you know, subjected to vaccine mm-hmm. mandates, and none of them have gone forward no. on a discrimination basis. However, she has said that she would amend the human rights legislation in Alberta to include yep. vaccination status as a, an, you know, an, an identifiable group that would be protected under under human uh, rights laws.
2: You know, considering that only. Less than 10% of Albertans are unvaccinated. Well, I'm it, not yeah. sure why she's playing this card. I mean, we've yeah. been there, done that. This this debate's over for so many people. uh And the hardcore group that wants to hang out and refuse to be vaccinated, whatever. you think uh, it's, it's a tiny percentage of people. I don't know why she's sort of alienating a much larger group of people in favor of this.
0: Do you think, therefore... Someone like Rachel Notley, the NDP leader, we are secretly pleased that she won. Oh, Notley play. is
2: loving every moment of this, whether it's the vaccination comments or whether it's their uh, walking back the Sovereignty Act a bit yeah. for uh, losing potentially some of her more radical supporters.
0: All right. Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Right to your phone calls. Bob and Nanaimo. Hey, Bob, go ahead. Hey, good
3: morning, guys. Uh- you know, a question I have for, for you and for society in general is is in this hypersensitive atmosphere we're in, we've become so paranoid about doing the wrong thing, we've lost sight of what the right thing to do is. And and, and one of those things is is that I think in my opinion, until judges are held accountable, and we have to remember that judges are lawyers and lawyers have dictated and developed and delivered all the programs in this country. And I think that we need to start having some oversight and accountability with these guys. Like, what happens? So, a judge, a, a guy with thirty convictions, gets released before paperwork is done. I'm paraphrasing. And so, what happens if that dude goes out and kills somebody? Is that judge held accountable? Of course not. So, well, what, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, well, what, what, I,
0: well, how do we? How do you deal with that? Wait, you want to elect judges like they do in the United States?
3: Well, look. You talk about constitutional changes that we need. Again, lawyers have set this up, and I think it's very convenient that the loopholes and everything that we deal with in society is all based in lawyers. And I think that there's no oversight. It's like police okay. investigating police. And again, yes, should we vote them in? I don't know if that's the case, Mike, but we need to have judges accountable. We can't keep going like this.
0: Thanks, so, thanks, for, the call. Well,
3: thanks for the call.
2: Every, every system is going to have its flaws, uh, but I'm not sure going the route of electing judges as we do in the States is the way to go. There's so many cases down there of corrupt judges, incompetent judges. And when you want to decry lawyers, well, this is a specialized occupation, and it requires legal training. So I'm not sure, you know, getting rid of the lawyers as judges is going to make a, a, but, a positive difference either.
0: But there is some political discretion here, of course, in in the way the system operates. I mean, we saw that in the fact that Rankin has talked about. Well, he did, did have authority to potentially issue some which, directions, which to which is crown. going to
2: be interesting. Again, traditionally, attorney generals stay back a bit and yeah. let the ju- judiciary and the Crown Council, the prosecutorial branch operate independently and we'll see if that holds going forward i'm not sure it will
0: don in vancouver hi don go ahead
1: hi i just had a bit of a comment to make about these people who feel marginalized uh the truckers who feel marginalized i just want to say i am an immigrant i was uh i've been in canada uh one year i was i was only i was 48 years old i've only been out of this country one year and um i felt marginalized all my life now I got to say, the last few years have been a lot better since all these, uh, you know, uh, people have come with equal rights and, and, and pushing for freedoms for everyone, uh, equal freedoms. But for them to make these comments just for the sliver of time, like maybe the last two, three years where they've been marginalized, if we, if we want to use that word, for them to come out and, and have all this backing about, you know, we ha- we're having discrimination issues. It really bothers a guy like me who's seen it all my life, and they don't know what marginalization means until they go through, uh, you know,
0: walk a mile in my shoes. Okay, thank you for the call. Talking about unvaccinated people, of course. Well,
2: and you mentioned truckers, the trucker convoy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these people um, to compare themselves to people who are actually are marginalized. Many people who are racialized are, is a bit much, and that's always been a sticking point for many people right from since this thing
0: began. Yeah, a lot of it will come down to, you know, again we go back to sort of case law precedent when it comes to discrimination and certainly you're free to file a complaint like if you feel that you've been discriminated against on the basis of your vaccination status well you can go to a try to try to uh, file a human rights complaint Good you won't get that. very far you're and, and no one far. has been successfully able to and prosecute that you're not going to get much but, sympathy either but what happens in Alberta if Daniel Smith's oh, we'll government see. changes the we'll, law we'll
2: see, we'll Alberta, see. Is a, Alberta is Alberta it's not Canada
0: yeah Rob in Vancouver hi Rob go ahead yeah, I want to switch to municipal politics for a second. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yesterday you talked about the endorsements Kennedy Stewart received, including
2: one from David Eby. Now I understand that somebody mentioned to me that David
0: Eby's constituency office manager is running uh, on the ticket for council under Kennedy Stewart's banner. So you know, maybe he wants to help out a friend. Thank
1: well, you. I think it was
2: a. I don't think it was a smart move for Eby to endorse Stewart. Like, okay. why? Why get into this? Uh, he's going to become the next premier. Uh, I really don't think it's appropriate necessarily for him to, to sort of affix his name to one of these candidates because he's going to have to work with Ken Sim if Ken Sim wins here. Uh, and again, I just I think the downside outweighs the upside for him be getting involved here.
0: Maybe he doesn't want to work with Ken Sim and he wants to help out his friend Kennedy Stewart.
2: Well, maybe he does, but I mean, again, uh if you're going to be the premier, stay out of this. You know, yeah. you don't see you're going to see John Horgan endorsing candidates. Well, we'll
0: have lots of coverage on tomorrow's tomorrow. Tomorrow, we'll do an election. hour. Yeah, we're going to do a special. So, extended. if you're listening out
2: there, phone in where you live, who you're voting for, why you're voting for them, what the issues are top top of mind for you.